0: Chapter 8 Brodeer of Man In the last chapter, remember that Johnson learns about Landry's debt and Hopalong Cassidy's heroism, the Kaiser passed along vital gossip just before someone murders Misty of Perky Parlour, and Periwinkle finds the ULC Land Company is tied to an oddball collection of mobsters. In this chapter, Brodeer of Man's death in ten fourteen opens Shard's eyes. Albany's Alphonse Spinello ties the ULC to Landry. Johnson and Periwinkle have dinner together. Uh This is uh, Tuesday morning in Shard's office. Shard pulled into his parking spot at exactly 8.07. Periwinkle and Johnson were already in. He spotted a beer truck next door and walked over and found O'Reilly. A bit early this morning, aren't we, Lieutenant? You ordered me to drink the whole bottle of Capperdonich, and I figured I'd get an early start on it. Oh, yeah. The old trick of sending an undercover guy to see if I sell liquor to the rummies before opening time. You're not in uniform, so you must be him. When did you ever see me in uniform? Will you sell a drink to a fellow in blue jeans and a black wool coat? Nope. That's not why I came, anyway. You have a folding chair I can borrow. O'Reilly's eyebrows slid up in surprise. A folding chair? Yeah, we have some in storage we use for special events. Why do you want a chair? I'm tired of sitting on my wastebasket. That little welt that runs around the bottom cuts into my bum something fierce. It makes me cranky for the rest of the day. I've got a suggestion. Why don't you get the sheriff to buy you another chair? It's obvious you don't work for the county, O'Reilly. Do you know how much paperwork I'd have to fill out to get the damn thing? Then I'd have to put all the paper through Hilda Bluter. You know Hilda, right? Everyone knows Hilda, the barkeep said. Only if I convince her that the overturned wastebasket is cutting into my efficiency, and that I do indeed have a perfectly circular indentation on my posterior, will she give me permission to order another chair. In six months I might get it. I need relief today. In the interest of reducing crime, I'll loan you one. How long can I keep it? Until you finish that bottle of Kaperdonich. That doesn't make any sense. Right. Shard carried the brown-battered folding chair over his head into the office as if he brought it in every morning. As he unfolded the chair with property of Schuyler's stenciled in scratched letters across its back, he said, Good morning, folks. It's gratifying to see you here so early but it's bothersome that neither one of you is doing a scintilla of work. While you idlers have been lounging around in my office, I've been out on a county's business. I have procured this fine article of comfort for our use as long as the newest scotch bottle next door isn't emptied, whatever that means, and all this at absolutely no expense to the county. Can you top that, kiddies? The moment Shard finished his twaddle, he spoke at once. Wait till you hear what we have and they explained everything in minute detail the information was so good that Shard almost forgot that Schuyler's chair was only marginally more comfortable than the wastebasket what conclusion do you draw from this perry winkle gave an almost verbatim account of their conversation at tony's leaving out only johnson's bombshell observation which still unsettled her but it still leaves the problem of why if these guys kill landry They would leave his body where we'd be sure to find it," she said. I was just about to tell her the story of Brodeer of Man when our food arrived last night. "'Your food arrived? You went out to dinner and didn't invite me?' Shard asked, with his best attempt at a hound dog look. I had to eat alone with thirty other people at Schuyler's. Where'd you go?' "'Tony's, boss.' We were talking about Italians who got hungry for Italian food," Periwinkle said. She realized how stupid that sounded. The dimly lit romantic room with the red checkered tablecloths and candles and Chianti bottles? I just love that place, Shard said. Johnson ignored him. Brodeer of man I think holds the answer to Periwinkle's question. Shard wondered if anything happened last night, but her glances at Johnson revealed nothing. Shard had to admit to himself that he was just a little bit jealous. What would Bro- Brodier say about it, he asked. He was captured at the Battle of Clontarf. That's in Ireland, you know. Just outside Dublin on the east side. A little rise on an arm that juts out into the Irish Sea. Come on out with it, Shard, said he feared he'd be listening to Johnson when O'Reilly came to claim his chair. You know that he'd killed Brian Boru, the Irish king who was trying to expel the Vikings from Dublin. Neither Periwinkle nor Shard said anything. They hoped to limit the story. Anyway, his captors slit Brodier's belly all the way down and grabbed the end of his intestines and made him walk around a tree as they ripped the intestines out until he died. Periwinkle and Shard stared at him. Most edifying, especially so soon after breakfast. What's your point, Shard asked. They did that for revenge, to warn anyone else who hoped to lead a revolt against the king. You remember the king that Brodar of Man fought for, don't you? "'Shard and Periwinkle answered quickly. "'Oh, yeah. It didn't help. "'Sigtrig's silk beard, Quite a man. "'Did you know that he—' "'A nice point there,' Shard said. "'And you may be on to something.' "'Periwinkle wasn't so sure, but held her counsel. "'After all, less than twelve hours ago, "'he had called her beautiful across that red-checkered tablecloth "'and flickering candle.' "'Shard sat for several minutes in contemplation. "'I like your parallel,' Shard said. "'If you and Brody are right—' Who are the modern equivalents of Silkbeard and Brian Baru? Whose thrones are shaken more important? Who are they trying to warn? Ah, uh, that's the rub of this. Landry is brodeer of man with his intestines intact. Makes sense, Norseman. Shard's eyes faded at that faraway look that they knew so well. Without a word he walked over to his hat rack, took down his umbrella, and unfolded it. You'll have seven years of bad, Johnson started until he saw the camel drop out. Does that mean we have three kings? The number wouldn't make much difference, I think. We can just count them as one, okay? So that means that Landry was on their side. Our Italians are your Irish, then. We need to know Landry's kinship with the U.L.C. and the three kings. When we know that, we'll be a long way towards making sense of all the other characters of Clontarf. He stopped and drummed his fingers on the sill. He'd wandered out into his own private pastures, and it was best to let him find his own way back. The only way to do that is to ask these guys. My gut reaction is that we won't get much out of them, but I don't see any other way. His eyes looked at them, and, but his mind was a thousand miles away. They waited for him to proclaim something, and he didn't disappoint. I'm trying to decide which of these guys to approach. My instinct tells me that the CPA, what's his name? Joseph Pepe. "'Prayer Winkle said. pee yeah, that's it. "'He seems to be the brightest "'and therefore probably the most adept at saying nothing. "'He'd be the Irish High King, therefore. "'I think he's not the best place to start. "'The car-wash guy, the wet king,' Shard continued. "'Tony Vito. "'Yeah, but I can't see myself talking to him "'in the middle of scrub brushes, "'soapy water, and jet-sprayed wax, "'a kind of sudsy conversation. "'I don't think that's a conducive environment "'to talk about murder.' The other guy, Alphonse Spinello, the king's provisioner, might be the best bet. Restaurant owners usually come in about this time and set up for lunch. It ought to be quiet there. At least he won't be spraying cars. Shard was still on a jaunt into the outback of his mind. In the meantime, we're going to get warrants to search Landry's papers more thoroughly. I put that off, but now we know what to look for. You two go to Smytheville, Mitt Warrant see if the judge will let you copy everything related to the ulc and these albany guys i'll bet you give us that much ask the kaiser to call a judge before you go over to the courthouse to make our request now skedaddle tuesday morning late shard's office shard got off Schuyler's chair and rubbed his nearly dead parts he took out the folder marked r and slid out a camel rj reynolds he thought easy to remember he needed to see Spinello to watch his body language and look into his eyes. But he needed someone with jurisdiction and a gun to accompany him, and he knew just the man. His former partner at the Albany State Police Post, Peter Cooper, had been a great guy to work with, bright, energetic, and sot. They had made sergeant together, and now he was a lieutenant, too. Pete and his wife and Shard and Hope had enjoyed many good times, especially on their fall trips into the remote reaches of the Adirondacks. And Cooper had a good sense of humor. He had to because everyone called him Copper, after a clerk misspelled his name on a memo he had posted on the department's bulletin board. He became Peter Copper. Even the higher-ups called him that. I could use your help, Pete, with a couple of simple things. Will you ask around about these three guys? I need to know the local scuttlebutt, especially if they're mobbed up as I suspect they are. Shard almost asked Copper to find out what kind of cars they owned, but realized he should have done that himself. Damn, he thought, as he scribbled licenses down on a scrap of paper. The last thing I need to know, Pete, is who, do these guys do the, who's, who does these guys' dirty work? A list of their goons. Remember how we used to laugh about a ship of goons? Pete chuckled, yeah, you and your literary illusions. Still at it out there in the sticks. Sure, but my audience is more appreciative. Still smoking? He and Pete had tried to quit numerous times, and Shard didn't know whether Copper had succeeded. Sort of, Pete. In other words, you haven't, huh? Not quite. And you? Haven't touched one in four months, and I can hardly live with myself or charity. I'm miserable. I know the feeling, Pete, but listen... I wouldn't ask you to do this without the promise of a reward. Yeah, sure. You'll send me a pack of camels and a used Zippo. Nope, nope, nope. How about dinner at one of Albany's finest establishments? You can't beat that, huh? Oh, sweet. You want me to back you up when you corner the mobsters, in their own store. Then you'll make me order from the kiddie menu, to save a few bucks for your cash-strapped department out there in the boonies. Bullseye, my friend. I want to talk to Spinello, and I need a local gun. What do you say, copper? When? How about this evening? About seven. You're still in a hurry, aren't you? Bring Charity, and I'll pay for her dinner, too. Hope and Charity used to joke that they needed to find a girlfriend named Faith. What cop, especially a Catholic one, could arrest Faith, Hope, and Charity for anything? Charity's at a heart association dinner tonight they're raising bucks for cops without hearts or something so i have a choice between eating something that's been frozen since the korean war or from the kitty menu while i cover you in a mob joint that'll take some thought see it's seven charred mist copper they made a great investigative team with hope and charity they were a fun foursome he felt lonesome after he hung up it was a beautiful day not a cloud in the sky and the roads were dry all oh, was snow everywhere else a perfect Morgan day. He called Shelley, who worked Switchboard, downstairs. She was one of those girls in high school who always sat unnoticed in the middle of a class. Pear-shaped, she hovered on the periphery of the school's social doings. She didn't go to college, but Shard recalled she had attended a secretarial school somewhere. But she was a whiz at finding people. In a couple of minutes, she had the little Italy, the right one, on the line, and he made his reservation. The guy assured him that Mr. Spinello was there every evening. Shard turned on his charm and asked her to trace vehicle ownership for the three men. "'That's easy,' she said. "'If you'll come down to answer the phones for a few minutes, I'll do it now.' Shard had barely left the room when the phone rang. Shard was tempted to ignore it, but it wasn't part of their deal, and he picked it up. An aged woman ordered Shard to come to her house. "'Right now. Not a minute to spare.' "'Oh, God,' Shard thought, "'what have I gotten into?' "'What's your problem, ma'am? "'I'm going to die, right here on the phone, "'if you don't come to my house right now.' "'Is someone trying to kill you?' "'The last thing he wanted was a dead old lady. "'With my luck, he thought she's the Kaiser's biggest donor. "'You are!' she screamed. "'But, ma'am, calm down. "'What's your problem?' "'You are! "'I need a man, a big man. "'Are you big?' "'Shard wondered if hormones still raged in women that old.' "'Yes, ma'am, I'm big. What can I do for you?' He feared he shouldn't have said it quite like that. "'You can come to my kitchen and open this bottle for me. "'If I don't get my noon heart medicine, I will die.' At that moment, Shelley returned. Shard covered the mouthpiece and explained, "'Oh, that's Mrs. Tepton. "'She's the widow down at the end of Conkling Street, "'right next to the canal basin. "'I always send someone by at noon to open her medicine "'and make sure she takes it. "'I forgot today. Give me the phone.' Shard grabbed the sheet she carried and whispered, "'Thanks, Shelley,' as he left. He wondered how the Kaiser could possibly lose re-election when his deputies gave old ladies their medicine every day. Tuesday at noon at Schuyler's, on his way up to his office, he heard his stomach rumble, decided to kill three birds with one stone. He never questioned his unspoken clichés. O'Reilly said, "'Lieutenant, did you enjoy my chair all morning?' Shard was tempted to throw him the international sign of displeasure, but thought better of it, this close to the Kaiser's election. Instead, he rotated his index finger, pointed to the special of the day on the chalkboard, and motioned towards the Utica club tap. With the heavy work finished, he claimed his favorite table under the Moose's dewlap. Alphonse Spinello owned a maroon Lincoln Town car. Yes, sure, I thought, a big, dark car. Pippi owned three cars, one a 10 BMW 700 series. Vito had two cars, the biggest a green Cadillac. Oh, great. Two of the three kings owned big dark automobiles. The information was still useful, however. Luke might not know his cars, but he could tell big and dark, maybe red or maroon. Shard wondered, how maroon? Tuesday afternoon and evening, trip to Albany. Shard left word with Hilda that he'd be out of the office the rest of the day, and so were Johnson and Periwinkle. When she asked how the Kaiser could get hold of him, he admitted he couldn't. It was Hilda's not-so-subtle reminder that he ought to take his cell phone. He hated the damn thing. He went home and pulled the tarp off his car. Morgan had not changed his styling in over a half a century, and Shard knew why. They got it right the first time. He jackknifed his lank frame into it, tromped on the accelerator a half a dozen times, pulled the choke knob out almost to the back window, and turned the key. It started. This was the car that wouldn't start after Leiden's Fourth of July parade. It was as quirky as the Englishman who had built it by hand. On the back roads, the car's little four-banger thumped along. Cold air streamed in through the gaps in the side curtains. Heater wheezed valiantly to keep the inside temperature above freezing and rock-hard suspension jiggled every organ in Shard's aging body. The perfect life, he thought. Shard reached Albany's outskirts a couple of hours early. He headed north and pulled into the Iroquois parking lot at exactly 5 o'clock. Although the happy hour crowd hadn't arrived, Ruth was frozen in the classic bartender's pose, holding a glass up to the light to see if it was free of smudges. Shard wondered if someone taught that at barkeep school, "'Hello, beautiful.' "'She didn't even turn around. "'I knew it was you. "'No car on earth sounds like that thing you drive. "'Why don't you ask for a raise and get a real car? "'One that's grown up. "'Or buy some growth hormones for that thing. "'It looks like a kid's pedal car. "'Remember those? "'I had one and loved it. "'You want something, don't you? "'Only to look at you, dear Ruth. "'You are worth the two-hour drive. "'Go away. "'No, I have to be in Albany at seven "'and thought I'd come over early to make sure you're okay.' and to see if your taps still work. Utica Club tastes better out of yours than anyone else's. That mean you want one? Well, it's three minutes past quitting time, and I'd love to have just one, Ruth said. She rang her cash register and lifted out a camel. Right. While I have your attention, though, you have loads of relatives in Albany. Do you know a guy named Joseph Peepi? Ruth cocked her head. I thought I knew every Italian family in the area. Never heard of anyone named Peepy, or maybe that's only part of his name. You lose a bunch of owls? No, I think that's the entire offering. How about Anthony Vito? The place is lousy with Vitos, and half of them are named Tony. Which Tony? Car Wash Tony. Oh, yeah. He was once arrested for hooking his car wash up to the fire hydrant in front of his place so that he didn't have to pay for his water. Did this for years. Tell everybody could see the hose snaking out of the car wash to the hydrant. Nobody touched him, because he had friends. Know what I mean? Cops finally busted him. To answer your question, though, I don't know him personally, but I love to scam. Wish I could tap into some brewery pipes. Okay, the last one, Alphonse Spinello. Alfie, of course. Everybody knows him. He runs the Little Italy, the other one. Good guy, but be careful. He's really connected. His place is a mob hangout, but he's the nicest guy you'd ever want to meet. A soft touch for anybody in the neighborhood who's down on his luck. Always good for 20. You know the type? Why are you chasing these guys? Have something against my ethnic heritage or something? Shard assumed his best come-hither look. Just the opposite. I'm most attracted to your heritage and everything else about you. It's just that we have a murder case and these guys' names popped up. I need to check them out. Scarpelli rubbed the glasses, watching Shard over her towel. Word of warning, be careful. Thugs always accompany the two I know anything about. I'd hate to lose a faithful customer who comes in here twice a year and buys one draft each time. i depend on you to pay my overhead. It's wonderful to be loved, but I'll tell you what. I'll take one more of these little things you have in your cash drawer. Scarpelli took about a week to reach her cash register. Shard gave her a broad wink, and she pulled out another camel. I've got a hot date tonight, so I can't stay long. You have a date? That's one I gotta see. Tell me about her. Well, for starters, her name is Peter, and he—my God, you've gone gay on me. One woman stomps on your heart, and you go for a Peter. I never believed it. I'm the sensitive type. I can't stand the thought of going through that again. Guys don't do that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. I'm out of here take care. Tuesday evening at the Little Italy. Shard arrived at the correct Little Italy five minutes before his date. His heart sank when he realized it had Valley park. He didn't want to trust his jewel to some kid with a lead foot. He also hadn't expected the place to be quite so tony. Hilda was going to kill him when he turned in his bill. He wasn't reassured when five kids dashed towards him, shoving each other out of the way for a chance to hot rod a sports car. The biggest kid the one with eruptions all over his face, one and practically wrenched Shard's door off its wooden frame. What's this, mister? A Morgan. A what? Morgan, Shard said louder. A Morgan. It's English, and old, and fragile. If you put a scratch on it, I'll dismember you. No, sir, I'll be real careful, Pimple said. To be sure, Shard pressed some insurance money in his hand. Little Italy was like Tony's pizza with an expensive redo. Shard thought when he walked in, it had more junk, more color, more waiters, more people, more noise, more music, more smoke, more of everything, and it was all red. Shard had never seen such a red restaurant. Copper was already there, sitting against the wall at a table for two. He stood up and said, I know what you're thinking. Four months off cigarettes, and I've gained 20 pounds. How are ya? You haven't gained an ounce, my friend. I'm fine, doing well in Indian country, pretty good life, all things considered. They caught up on their lives and passed a pleasant hour and a half with a bottle of excellent wine and exceptionally good dinner. We have to talk with the old here. You play the muscle, I'll talk. Spinella should understand that arrangement. Shard passed their waiter a $10 bill with his request for a few minutes in Mr. Spinella's valuable time. He returned quickly and took them down a hall past a large room filled with men, all of whom seemed to be shouting in Italian at the same time shard guessed that they were the guys ruth had warned him about spinello was shard noted a big small man not much over 5-5 he had more than ample waist that advertised the quality of his cuisine his perfectly round face was topped with a monk's tonsure in any other setting shard thought he'd be mistaken for a kindly paris priest dispensing a warm brand of comfort and hope shard made the introductions and spinello looked them over carefully "'A bit far afield, aren't you, Lieutenant Shard?' "'Yes and no.' "'What can I do for you?' First, accept our congratulations for a fine meal. "'One of the best I've had in years,' Shard said. "'Thanks. We try to please. "'The reason we are here, Mr. Spinello, "'is that I have a murder case in Leiden "'that has strings that lead to Albany. "'That's why I asked my former partner "'to come along on this visit. "'Besides, you have no jurisdiction here, Lieutenant.' "'True enough.' It will try not to take up too much of your time, sir. Shard continued. My case involves the United Land Company property purchased in Mohawk County. I understand that you are a partner in the ULC. Yeah. Spinello suddenly became wary. Cooper noticed it, too, and shifted nervously in his chair. Our information indicates that the murder victim may have had a professional relationship with you, Mr. Peepee, and Mr. Vito. I don't know nothing about that. I've never been to Leiden, Spinello said. Shard ignored the non-sequitur. Let me be more specific. The murdered man was Samuel Landry. Does that name ring a bell? Pause. This guy was either very careful or very dense. Is he a lawyer, Spinello asked? He was. How'd you know? I know him, or guess I knew him. Did he work for you or the ULC? I think I need my lawyer here. You have every right to have your lawyer present, Mr. Spinello, Cooper broke in. We'd be happy to talk to the two of you whenever convenient. Shard didn't want to make another trip to Albany. How about just giving us the gist of your answer? If I need details, I'll get in touch with you and your lawyer. How's that? Spinello paused so long, Shard was afraid that he'd lost him. Okay, it was like this. About six months ago, Landry called Mr. Peepy. All of them call each other Mr. all the time, Shard wondered, and suggested that he could help us buy land over your way. Said he knew the market there and had contacts all over Mohawk County. You know, it's good to have people who know the ropes and where the corpses are buried. Given a week, Shard couldn't have untangled that construction. Mr. Peepee was busy and sent Landry to me. Nice guy. Seemed to know his stuff. A mouthpiece. So we cut a deal. He'd front for us and keep his mouth shut. He'd suggest land to buy, stuff the Indians might want for their casino, and he'd buy it for us. Nobody'd know nothing, and land prices wouldn't go up. We could make good bucks. Why did Landry approach you guys? Did you know him? Nah. He worked for some law office in Utica that had once done some work for Mr. Peepy's uncle. And I guess he figured out that Mr. Peepy was the nephew or something and wanted to buy land. I never asked him. Lousy answer, Shard thought. But you put landry on your payroll nah we're not stupid he worked on commission that way if he didn't work out it wouldn't cost us nothing but you say he's dead shit that means we've got to find someone else out there to do our work any suggestions shard noticed he didn't ask how Landry died it would be awkward for me to suggest anyone to you but there are good lawyers in leiden let me ask you a couple more questions Do you have a contract with the casino company to sell your land to it? That's none of your business. Talk to my lawyer. Okay, let me ask you something else. Did you loan Landry a lot of money? You gotta be kidding. He was supposed to make money for us. I wouldn't loan the guy a thin dime. I didn't know him. He wasn't from around here. Meaning, Shard thought, he wasn't one of the boys across the hall. Just a couple more questions, Mr. Spinello, Shard emphasized Mr., It seemed to be the magic word around the ULC. Do you know R.E. Lee? His first name might be Robert or Robin or something. We think he's from Albany. Never heard of him. How about George Wittry? Nah, wimpy-sounding name. Just one last question. Where were you on Sunday night, the one before last? Shard felt the tension rise in the room. He bet every short hair on Spinello's neck was standing straight up. "'Why you want to know?' "'Normal procedure. "'We do it with everyone we talk to,' "'Shard tried to sound complacent. "'Spinello didn't buy it. "'I don't have to answer that, you know. "'I can't be suspectin' no murder out there "'in the middle of nowhere. "'I told you i never been there. "'But I have an alibi, "'so it won't hurt none to tell you. "'Sunday a week, right? "'I was right here at the Little Italy, "'all night, having dinner and drinks "'with Mr. Peepy and Mr. Vito. Ask them. "'Stayed until we closed at one o'clock.' It was a miserable night, wasn't it? It sure was, especially for Mr. Landry. Tuesday night in the Albany parking lot. Shard and Cooper walked out in the cold, clear night. I'll give you a ring in the morning to let you know what we find, Copper said, as Pimples almost knocked them down, running to retrieve Shard's car. Copper's unmarked state car was delivered first. Pimples took longer. Maybe it didn't start, Shard worried. Then he heard the distinctive cacophony of his four-cylinders, and Pimples came roaring and bucking up the slight hilt in front of the restaurant. "'This is an awesome car, Mr. Pimples said. It's way cool.' Shard slipped him another tip for bringing the car back in one piece. "'Were you working here Sunday a week ago?' Pimples scrunched up his eyes, and Shard could almost hear his mental gears crunch. "'Really cold, windy, kind of snowy night that was. "'Yeah, that's the one.' "'Yeah, I froze my ass off out here. "'Did you get Mr. Spinello's car for him sometime during the evening?' "'I always get Mr. Spinello's car for him. "'He tips real good. "'Did you bring it around for him that night?' "'You mean his town car?' "'Yeah. Yeah, I did. "'What time was that?' "'This was like pulling goat's teeth,' Shard thought. "'I don't know. "'Sometime before dark it was ass-biting cold. "'I remember that. "'His car has leather seats. "'Damn!' And Mr. Spinello left then? Nah, he didn't take the car. Tiny did. Who's Tiny? He works for Mr. Spinello. Does odd jobs and stuff. He used to park cars, but he's got a better job now. That's what I want before I freeze to death out here. And when did Tony come back? He didn't. Not while I was here. What time'd you get off? Little after one. I got to bring everybody's car before I can leave. Thanks, kid. I'll put a good word in for you with Mr. Spinello, Shard said, as he pulled out of the driveway with a self-satisfied grin. Tuesday afternoons to Smytheville. Johnson and Periwinkle drove in silence for miles before he said, We haven't had a chance to talk. What did you think of Shard's house the other night? I've only been inside once, but I remember it's quite nice. Periwinkle sensed a minefield here. On an impulse, I stopped to tell him what Luke had told me. I didn't know he had a date, but I don't think he was trying to hustle me out because Ellen was coming. Her words hung for a few ticks of the odometer before Johnson said, May I ask you a personal question? "Uh Uh-oh, thought Periwinkle. Sure, go ahead. I don't have to answer it. True. I was surprised the other day when you told us you had a relationship, is that the word, with a Harley Davidson guy. I don't see you as that type. I'm not, and I don't know how to answer your question why are any of us attracted to the people we are i don't know i suppose it has something to do with our needs at the moment our age our hormones or something i was a college senior and didn't have the slightest idea where i was going i needed some stability in my life then and roger and his harley provided that the bike was fun i liked the wind blowing in my hair yeah and the bugs in your teeth he wasn't your typical heavy-bellied harley guy with tattoos He was a button-down kind of guy, even in his leathers. He majored in chemical engineering. Best-looking chemical engineer I've ever seen. Did he smell funny? All those guys do, you know. His biggest fault was that he wasn't very worldly, hadn't an idea of what was happening outside his lab or off his bike. He was a hunk, but not a very interesting one. He was in the National Guard and was sent to Iraq. When he got back, we were different people. We parted friends. Johnson just wanted to find some way to see what she thought of him, but he couldn't come up with a subtle way to do it. "'What do you think you'll be doing ten years down the road?' he asked her. "'You he will maybe he'd be in the picture.' "'In a perfect world, I guess, I'd have Shard's job and delegate and delegate crap like this to you. More realistically, though, I think you'd be married to a kind, attractive man who can whip off a five-course dinner in thirty minutes from food in the pantry, have two kids— a girl seven, a boy four, and Ma little rose-covered cottage. Answer your question? I guess. Any leads on your kind cook? No. Johnson wondered if he shouldn't take cooking lessons. They rode the rest of the way in a heavy silence. He wished he'd handled that better. The more he was around Periwinkle, the more he liked her. He wasn't going to meet a woman that solid in the bars, and she was beautiful, but he couldn't figure out how to approach her. His saga story certainly didn't excite her. They stepped into Landry's office and came face to face with a woman who looked as if she were frozen in shock. She cleared her throat twice before she choked out, You scared me. May I help you? Periwinkle recovered first. You must be Harriet McCarthy. I am. Who are you? Johnson and Periwinkle introduced themselves and showed her their court order. I came in this afternoon to tidy up some loose ends. I've been gone for over a week and I'm behind in my bookkeeping and billing. Thought I'd finish them up today. We've been looking all over for you, Johnson said. Where have you been? Mac and I took a short vacation to get out of this cold. It gets harder on us every year. Last week we went down to Warm Springs, Georgia, to visit President Roosevelt's little cottage. Beautiful down there. I can understand why he loved it so. He died there, you know. But you didn't tell anyone you were going, Periwinkle said. Our kids are grown. We don't have to report to them. We don't even have a dog anymore. And he ate the goldfish before he died. We're free. Your trip had nothing to do with Landry's murder, Johnson asked. He was alive and well when we left. At least I thought he was. When was he killed exactly? Sunday a week, around midnight, Periwinkle said, and followed with a sanitized version of the killing. You have no idea who did it? We have lots of ideas, but no proof, Periwinkle said. Do you know anyone who'd want to kill him? Only his ex-wife, but I don't think she'd do it. She'd never get any more child support. That's all she's interested in. We hear that Mr. Landry had a big deal, one that was sure to bring him lots of money. Do you know anything about it? Johnson asked. He was always in the middle of a big deal, Harriet said, and they all promised a windfall. I haven't felt a breeze yet. Years ago I quit listening, whenever he started to rattle on about his wonderful prospects. So we had nothing going now, Periwinkle asked. "'He'd become interested in land lately. "'I'm not sure why, though.' "'Land? Where?' "'Up around Leiden. "'He talked of buying plots here and there. "'I guess he bought them for somebody else. "'Mr. Landry didn't have that kind of money. "'I kept his books. "'Do you know who his partners were? "'One was some fellow in Leiden. "'Mr. Landry had me send him emails once in a while. "'A lawyer. I forget his name. "'It wouldn't be George Witchery, would it?' Periwinkle? asked. "'Yeah, that's who it was.' He and Mr. Wittry brought land together. For speculation, I guess. And where did Mr. Landry get the money?" Johnson asked. I don't know. I assumed it was Mr. Wittry's money, or somebody's. There was another man involved who lives in Low Albany. Mr. Landry went up there all the time to see him. He had a funny name, just initials. R.E. Lee? Johnson asked. That's it, R.E. Lee. Did you ever meet Mr. Lee? I never met either guy. "'I only know about them because I sent notes to Mr. Wittry. "'But I don't know what was going on and don't care. "'Do you think he was killed for his land?' "'We don't know, but it's the best lead we have,' Periwinkle said. "'In fact, it's the only one we have. "'Do you still have your emails to Wittry?' "'No. Mr. Wittry looked over my shoulder while I sent them "'and made me delete them while he watched. "'They're all gone.' "'Why didn't Mr. Landry send them himself? "'Couldn't he use a computer?' Oh, he could use the PC, but he hated it. Once in a while he used his, but I don't know whether he ever did for business. He had a secret to decide to him, you know. What do you mean? Periwinkle? asked. He carried on his business behind closed doors back there. He told me only what he wanted me to do. He handled his personal life the same way. I've heard he was a womanizer, but he never brought a hint of that nonsense in here, and he always paid my salary, even when he couldn't make his child support. I know about them, because his ex-wife called from time to time to yell at me, as if it were my fault. I don't like her very much, to tell the truth. Johnson and Periwinkle silently agreed. "'Would you let me use your computer to see if I can retrieve the witchery memos?' Periwinkle asked. "'Our warrant covers all Mr. Landry's files, which would include those you deleted. I need your password, though.' "'It's simple. Red,' she said as she pulled on her coat and left." Tuesday afternoon at Landry's office. Johnson started on Landry's file cabinets, and they worked in silence until Periwinkle burst out with, Oh yeah, here they are. I knew that I could get into them given enough time. Chemical engineers are good for something, I suppose, Johnson said, over a stack of files on the file cabinet. Why don't you just print them off and we can look at them later? Right. You find anything? Nothing worthwhile. The man didn't keep the most organized records. Shard would love this place. There are dozens of empty files in here. He could fill them all with camels. Landry's notes to the Witchery are cryptic. Listen to this one. Buy for Lee. I'll send money. Well, that ties Lee, Witchery, and Landry together for sure, Johnson said. We've already figured that out. But we don't know the money trail. There's about a dozen messages in here. How many to Lee? None. Did Harriet say she sent any to Lee? I don't remember. I can't remember either. I just assumed that they went to one guy. They went to the other. Over the printer's hum, Johnson said, I found something interesting. Cleverly filed in the miscellaneous file, the fattest one in here. Shard has a whole file drawer marked letters, where Landry's system sounds more sophisticated, Periwinkle said. The best thing about Shard's letter drawer is that it's so crammed he can't hide a camel in it. But back to this hen scratching I found. Just a bunch of numbers but it has Lee's and Wittry's initials on it. It looks like something he was doodling around with. Take a look. Johnson passed Periwinkle a wrinkled sheet of yellow legal paper. Periwinkle read aloud. 100,000 L. 100,000 W equals R-E-L. Times 100 equals 200,000. 400,000 divided by 2 percent. Drivel equals 100,000. Expansion, pause. P-O-S-S, period. Push. Absolutely clear to me, Periwinkle said with a half-gassed smile. We'll have to test shard with it. I was never very good at math. I know that none of your Nordic ancestors could count unless it was the bodies of their victims. So you can't have inherited any talent in that direction either. Ooh, that's mean. They finished their search and concluded that Landry had kept very little of interest, but his doodles looked promising. You know what's missing here, Johnson asked? The killer's name. There's not a scrap to or from Lee. He's mentioned in the emails, and I assume R.E.L. on my sheet is him. But there's no evidence of any direct contact with him. I find that weird. I agree, but I'll wager that someday we'll know why. Sure, after you have your two kids in that wild rose bush. By then we won't care. Neither will the Kaiser. He'll have been voted out of office, and I'll have tenure at pick and pay. They left and were surprised to see it was almost dark. ''How about dinner?'' Johnson asked. It just just slipped out. She checked her watch as if it held the answer and said, ''Okay.''